Greater Life Church family, how are you doing on this blistery Sunday morning? Listen, as Landon already mentioned before, before leading us into worship, today is a snow day, so we want you just to relax and sit back and and uh, be with your family and also online with your church family. No matter what platform you're watching, we have folks watching the comments if you have a prayer need or request. And as always, if you'd like to give online, you can do that as well. Let me pray for just a moment before we get into the message today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today and I thank you for everyone tuning in in this moment. Thank you, God, that you kept us all safe to this point, and I pray, God, that you would continue to do so. Thank you for what you're doing at Greater Life Church, through the ministry, through the church family. We're just so thankful and grateful that you've got great plans in store in 2022 for us. I pray, God, that today we would learn from this word, from this message, help us, oh God, to tune in to what you want to teach us about the power of one. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I love Old Testament stories. And as we look at the story today, we're going to be talking about Esther, Queen Esther. But she wasn't always a queen. And also, I want you to consider that during the times of this story, we have Daniel, we have Nehemiah, we have Ezra, we have a lot of these prophets and a lot of these very significant characters in Scripture that took place during a time of what is called captivity. Today we find ourselves in the book of Esther, and I'll be using some scripture as we go along, but I'm going to cover the entire book, hopefully, to be able to get you to follow along with this story. So i got a lot of story to tell, and I've got some things that I'd like to share with you that God's shown me. To set the stage, the king in this story is named Xerxes. Now, depending on what translation of scripture you may be reading today, the name Xerxes might be changed based on a Hebrew or even a different language for the time. But King Xerxes is the king of Persia. We find in Esther chapter 1, he's throwing a party. He's throwing a party for all of his dignitaries, and his wife, Queen Vashti, is also throwing a party for all of the ladies. Well, Things transpire, and they party for days on end, and then he wants his queen to come and parade herself in front of the people because she's quite beautiful. Well, she doesn't want to do that, and he gets mad because she doesn't listen to him. What transpires is that he deposes her or he banishes her. He strips her of this title of queen. That's where we pick up the story today. You see, there had to be a moving and and a making of an opportunity, a moment for Queen Esther to enter the story. Queen Vashti is now deposed, and the leaders around Xerxes says, you need to find a new queen. And so they begin the hunt. A Jewish woman, Esther, is the woman that God ordained for this role. In our story today, we're going to find that this one woman saved a nation. And I'm excited to, as we walk through it today in Esther chapter 2, to share with you how unique God's plan is. 
Esther chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. At that time, there was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa whose name was Mordecai, son of Jair. He was from the tribe of Benjamin and was a descendant of Kish and Shimei. He was, his family had been among those with King Jehoiakim of Judah that had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadessa, who is also called Esther. There she is. When her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. Now, I want to begin with Esther's background. Something as I was reading through this story this time resonated with me about her past. All of us have a past. You have a past, I have a past. And so many times we allow our past to be an obstacle, even an anchor to hold us to things that keep us from what God is calling us to do. There may be choices that were out of our control. Maybe abuse was in our family. Maybe where we grew up or maybe sickness. Maybe there were things and decisions that we made, that you made as we went along our life that now are a part of our past, but we feel are keeping us from what God is calling us to. And let me start with the truth that you cannot, you cannot give your past greater power than you give the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Because at the end of the day, you're basically telling God that he's not big enough to do anything with you because of your past. Here we find Esther, a broken young lady. Now, we just read through that she was, first of all, a captive. So picture this. She had been uprooted from everything that she knew along with her family. She had been taken to a foreign land under a foreign king with foreign gods and been forced to adopt that culture and adopt that lifestyle. Now, it doesn't matter how old you are, at any season or stage of your life, that would have been a horrible situation. You see, in those days, when kingdoms and kings would conquer other kingdoms, they would take everybody that they could captive. So they couldn't rebuild and they couldn't fight back. So this king, as we've read in Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, took all of these people captive. And now Esther is living in captivity in the empire of the Persians who took over after Babylon. Now... We find here that this captive, this young lady, Esther, also was an orphan. She's a captive. She's an orphan. Now, we notice that Mordecai was her cousin, so it wasn't even uh, what we would consider super close family member. It was uh, a family member maybe once removed. 
It wasn't a grandparent. It wasn't a brother or a sister. It was a cousin who picked up the responsibility to take care of Esther. Why? Because her parents had died. Now, I don't know about you, but Esther, a young lady in her teens, had been with Mordecai for a number of years, and this gal was a captive who lost her parents. It doesn't matter if they died in the transition of captivity, which probably many did. It doesn't matter if they died of a sickness. It doesn't matter if they died of an accident or another kind of tragedy. The fact of the matter is her parents were dead. Again, her past had a lot of baggage to it. We find Mordecai willing to be her caregiver, to pick up and to do the best he could to take care of her. Thirdly, her past brings us to where she is today in this story. She was young. We read through the story of Esther, we understand that the king was searching for a new queen among the virgins of his kingdom. Now, what goes without saying is what we understand in Scripture, that that age was probably around 15 years old. So here we have a 15-year-old Esther who's already a captive, who's already living with a, a family member, not even her parents, who is now taken from her home and literally kidnapped to become potentially the queen of the tyrant, of the king who took her captive. You see... Maybe the Lord showed me this, this time around, because some of you are looking at distant past and how maybe God can't do anything in your life. Maybe some of us are looking at 2020, when all of this virus stuff began to happen. 2021, here we are in 2022, and our most recent past as a nation, even you as a family or you as an individual, maybe a job situation or a family situation, whatever the case may be. I, I want this story to encourage you that, that God can take your situation as bad as it may be and still do great and mighty things in your life. So number one, understanding that the story of Queen Esther is a story that overcomes her past. Now, Esther was given incredible favor, we read here again in scriptures, in the scripture. The Bible tells us that when it was Esther's turn to go to the king, she accepted the advice of Haggai, which was the eunuch in charge of the harem. She asked for nothing except what he suggested, and she was admired by everyone who saw her. Now, if Esther was like most of us, we're bitter because we're captive, we're bitter because we're orphaned, we're bitter because we've been uprooted again and been taken to this kingdom among other, many other young women 
to basically go through this process of 12 months of beauty treatments to be ready to be brought to the king's bed. (laughs) But here she has accepted her situation, has listened to the people around her, and has walked forward into this assignment. The Bible tells us because of that, she followed this advice and she was admired by everyone who saw her. You know, it goes on to say that Esther was taken in Esther chapter 2 to King Xerxes at the royal palace in early winter of the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than any other young woman. He was so delighted in her that he set a royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. To celebrate the occasion, he gave a great banquet in Esther's honor for all his nobles and officials declaring a public holiday for the provinces of giving generous gifts to everyone. Even after all the young women had been transferred to the second harem and Mordecai had become a palace official, Esther continued to keep her family background and nationality secret. She was still following Mordecai's directions, just as she did when she lived in his home. Now, why is that important? She was Jewish. She was a captive. She didn't disclose this information under Mordecai's advice, and we'll learn that that was an important thing. Because we find out that Mordecai, who served in the king's palace, ran into another guy. Another official in the palace named Haman, who didn't like Mordecai, and because of that, hated all Jewish people, which that's what Mordecai was. You see, Haman convinced the king to set forth a decree that all Jews would be killed on a certain day and people could take their spoils, could take all of their property. If they were able to kill them, they could take their property. And he, he fooled the king to sign this law. And he did it all because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. Why is that? It's because Mordecai was a Jew and they knew that only God was to be worshipped. Queen Esther is in the palace while all of this is happening. So Mordecai lets her know what's going on. Which brings me to the second thing I want you to consider in the story of Esther. Placement. She was uniquely and strategically placed in the palace for the sake of the nation of the Jewish people. Sometimes we forget how providentially God moves in our life. Your workplace, your neighborhood, the church that you're a part of. I don't 
want to overemphasize, but I need to remind you that God is in control. And when we submit our lives to his purposes, he puts us in great places to make a great difference for the sake of the kingdom. Esther found her placement in the right place at the right time. She was not the only young lady brought to the king, but she was the one that was given unique favor with all of the king's officials, with the king himself. Why? Because God wanted her in the place she needed to be for such a time as this. She could have resisted. She could have been bitter. All of the things that go into this story are plenty of reasons for Esther to say, I don't want to be any part of this. I'm just going to have a bad attitude. And she would have never been chosen. And sometimes we miss the great things that God wants to do in our life because we're bitter and we're upset about our situation. But my Bible says, and yours does too, to give thanks in all things. My Bible says, and yours does too, that God works together all things to the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Are you called according to his purpose? Yes, you are, if you're a follower of Jesus. We never know when the bad situation we find ourselves in will turn for the good of the kingdom for those that love him. Far too often, we give up when it's uncomfortable, failing to truly rest on God's power and plan. I'd like to read to you an excerpt from a story from a book written by Corey Timboom, The Heidi Place. Corey Tim Boom was a lady who found herself in a concentration camp in World War II. It says here, Corey and her sister Betsy had been imprisoned by the Nazis for hiding Jews behind the wall of their Holland home. And the Nazi prison conditions were pretty much unbearable. Corey writes, Barracks number eight was in the quarantine compound. Next to us, perhaps, as a deliberate warning to newcomers, newcomers were located in the punishment barracks. From there, all day long and often into the night, came the sounds of hell itself. They were not the sounds of anger, of any human emotion, but of cruelty altogether, detached. Blows landing in regular rhythm, screams keeping pace. We would stand in our ten deep ranks with our hands trembling at our side, longing to jam them against our ears to make the sound stop. It grew harder and harder. Even with these four walls, there was too much misery, too much seemingly pointless suffering. Every day, something else failed to make sense. Something else grew too heavy, yet in the midst of the suffering, the women prisoners around, Corey and Betsy, found comfort in the little Bible studies they would hold in their barracks. Corey writes, they gathered around the Bible like waifs clustered around a blazing fire. The blacker the night grew around us, the brighter and truer and more beautiful burned the Word of God. When they were moved to barracks 28, Corey was horrified the fact that their reeking straw bed platforms swarmed with fleas. 
How could they live in such a place? It was Betsy who discovered God's answer. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Corey. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about these new barracks. I stared at her and then around me at the, and then around me at the dark, foul-aired room. They thanked God for the fact they were together. They thanked God that they had a Bible. They even thanked God for the horrible crowd of prisoners that more people would be able to hear God's word. And then Betsy <laughs> thanked God for the fleas. The fleas, this was too much, Betsy. There's no way that even God could make me grateful for the fleas. Give thanks in all circumstances, she quoted. It doesn't stay in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are a part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between the tiers of bunks and gave thanks for the fleas. But this time, I was sure Betsy was wrong. It turned out that Betsy was not wrong. The fleas were a nuisance, but a blessing after all. The women were able to have Bible studies in their barracks with great deal of freedom, never bothered by supervisors coming in and harassing them. They finally discovered that it was the fleas that kept the supervisors out. Through those fleas, God protected the women from abuse and harassment. Dozens of desperate women were free to hear the comforting, hope-giving word of God through those fleas. God protected the women from much worse things and made sure they had their deepest, truest needs met. You know, fleas. The story of Esther is a story of resilience, of faithfulness, of pressing forward even in a bad, bad situation. The testimony of Corey Tinboom from World War II concentration camps, thanking God for something as horrible and silly as fleas, but the fleas kept the abuse at bay and gave them freedom to study the Word of God. I don't know, but maybe in heaven we'll see the impact of those Bible studies that were able to happen because of the fleas. Maybe in heaven we'll see, I know in heaven we'll see, the impact of Queen Esther and how she was faithful even in the bad situation. So back to the story, Haman says, kill all the Jews. Esther invites Haman to a banquet with the king, puts him on blast. Without getting into it, to too much detail, she shows the king how Haman fooled her. The king's eyes were open. Haman himself, who had tried to kill Mordecai and all of the Jews, now found himself suffering the death penalty, facing the fate of what he had set up for his enemy. The king added to the law that basically said, now the Jews can defend themselves. 
You see, in those days and in those times with this government, they couldn't change the law after it was written. So he just added that, hey, if someone attacks a Jewish person, you can defend yourself and fight back under the law. Now, Esther was really concerned about setting up this banquet. But in Esther chapter 4, Mordecai says this. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Even in my own prayer life, I have this phrase that comes back up again and again. For such a time as this. God, move among us for such a time as this. Maybe, Lord, you're setting a stage for revival for such a time as this. And that's where this phrase comes from. That Esther was in position, in the right placement. She had a past that she built upon that she didn't allow her to be, herself to be dragged down by. She became a hero the Jewish people. Which brings me to the final thing to consider. Presence. Interesting fact about the book of Esther is that the name of God is not mentioned. Not even once. You read through the book of Daniel and Nehemiah and so many other stories of the Old Testament. In the book of Esther, the name of God is not mentioned at all. But it is implied throughout the whole thing. The providence of God, the favor of God, the protection of God. How in, in, in anyone's imagination could, could such things happen in such a way for the people of God without the hand of God? And this stuck with me. It's not mentioned, but it's implied. It's all over the story. The evidence of God's hands are all over the story. Esther wins the battle, and in the mind of the king, he allows these Jews to fight back. And the Bible tells us that they not only fight back, but they win. Not only do they win, but before this date that has been set where everybody can kill Jews free of law, not only that, but many people said, hey, I want to be, <laughs> I want to be a Jew. <laughs> I want to become a, a, a person that honors the one true God because I want to be a part, I want to be on your team, so to speak. And, and they win. They defend themselves. They, they are, there is still people that actually go after them, but they lose every, on every occasion. You'll find it in the book of Esther. And the Jewish people, they go on to celebrate with a feast called Purim that they still celebrate today. Even Jesus is found, I believe, in John chapter 5, celebrating this feast. Purim means lots. Lots is how they would make decisions sometimes. They would cast lots. It's a thing of chance. The irony is so loud in this that the book of Esther, that this Feast of Purim 
is a celebration of lots, chance. But the fingerprints of God is all throughout it. Greater Life Church, thank you for watching today. I just have a question I'd like to leave you with. If you look at your life, is the evidence of God seen or does it have to be set? And don't get me wrong. I want every one of you to know that it's important to share your faith, to talk about Jesus. But if all we do is talk about Jesus, yet we have no evidence of Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit in our life, then what are we even doing? James said that faith without works is dead. Is your life one that the evidence of God is seen again and again and again when everyone around you is fearful that you walk in faith, when everyone around you is, is worried about losing this and losing that, and you're standing on the promises of God that are yea and amen in Jesus Christ. Friend, I want you to take this home with you right now. I want you to ponder it, pray on it, think about it, and next week, as you go into tomorrow, Ask God, Lord, let your hand be seen in my life. Let there be no question of the fruit in my life of the Holy Spirit. The book of Esther is a story where the hand of God is seen again and again and again. It never even needs to be said because it's so prominently and powerfully seen. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we come to you now worshiping online again. And I pray, God, that you would help us to take this word to heart. The power of one, Esther, made an impact for an entire nation and beyond. But that was only because you, oh God, moved in miraculous fashion in that story. So today, Lord, let us submit our lives to you. Let your hand and your providence and your favor be seen in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, this Wednesday, Grow Night kickoff. Remember, it was rescheduled this Wednesday. Don't miss it. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks.